dear ones. You're listening to the What God Is Not podcast with Father Michael O'Loughlin and Sister Natalia. Glory to Jesus Christ. Glory to him forever. Greetings, Sister Natalia. Greetings, Father Michael. I'm just going to keep on saying Sister Natalia over and over and over again just so that I can get it out of my system because <laughs> hopefully still your name will be changing again soon. So I'm just going to say it over and over again. Hello, yeah. Natalia. Yeah. Um, this is... By the way, when you become Mother Natalia, you, you can stop calling me Father. You can just start using Michael. Stop. That's, saying, That's not even funny. <laughs> it's not even funny. Sorry. If, if you're just joining us, that's one of Sister Natalia's big pet peeves is priests not calling each other father. <laughs> it's true. I was, I was about to give that clarification in case other people haven't listened to old episodes. I hate it I so much. Oh, I hate it so much. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, I'm, 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 uh, my topic today is, is, is related in, in a very, very side way to that issue. So, but I'll oh, share snap. that when it comes up. Yeah. yeah what are you drinking? I'm very excited to say this is why I'm asking. Oh, um, I'm drinking probably my least favorite LaCroix. Peach it was pear a gift, is your least favorite? Yeah. I've just, oh. all the ones I've had, I'm just, I, although I haven't had like just normal LaCroix, I haven't had just plain soda water. But yeah, this is, I'm not a fan. Hmm. I I'll like drink it because right. it's cold and sparkly and. But I, I, I won't. Uh, I wouldn't buy this. But yeah, somebody gave me, somebody gave me two, two cases of it. So God bless mm-hmm. them. Um, they know I love Lacroix, and it's absolutely better than regular water. So Amen. The limoncello is my favorite. It's so okay. Good. Well, let's move on. I don't want to know what you're drinking. <laughs> what? I'm just kidding. Go ahead. That was mean. Were you excited to? Were you excited to tell me what you're drinking? Right. Yeah. So I think as a monastic and as an ascetic, you should uh, sacrifice something you desire. Actually, I take that back. Go ahead, because we, we haven't moved into apostles like fast. I don't know. That's just okay. this is who I am. Okay, wait. That's the whole point. We haven't moved into the apostles fast. Today is a okay. Friday, right? Yes, it is. It's a Friday. So, so, so you're drinking meat. I'm drinking hot chocolate. <laughs> oh. And this morning I had Chick Fil A for breakfast. Wow. That's I need. I need to do something. Check it. My whole day is my day is totally booked today. But I, I'm gonna I'm gonna somehow acquire meat and eat it because on our Byzantine calendar we have what four. I always mess this up. I always say five. I don't think it's five. I think it's four. I think it's five. Four is it five? Okay, we had, we talked this before. Five Fridays throughout the year that we can eat meat. Or mm-hmm. if you're a monastic like sister, you can add the other things that you've given up on Fridays. In other words, no fasting that entire week. And the the week after Pentecost, which is when we're recording today on a Friday after Pentecost. Um. Yeah, we can eat, we can eat and drink all the things. Look, your because, buddy and mine, Rudy, just texted me. Oh, I love Rudy. He's wonderful. He By the way, a, he made a he made a very. Um. Oh, he writes. It occurred to me today, Father, that your fire pit potluck is basically an agape, a love feast. Oh. So if you, if you live in L.A. or in Southern California, every Wednesday night we have divine liturgy at six thirty, and then we just hang around a bonfire and eat and drink and smoke like for the rest of the evening, like until until people want to leave. I usually go to bed at about you know eleven, but people hang out there. It really is, and and some people like our Rudy only comes on Wednesdays. He doesn't he doesn't even come on Sundays. He comes on Wednesdays, um, and and he joins us, and he just texts me out of the blue. So Amen. You were going to say something should that have Rudy gatherings said, like this. You were going to say something about Rudy before you read his text. You forgot what it was. That's fine. Yep. So yep. I he's delightful though. I like him a lot. I was going to say something about what were we talking about before you were distracted by Rudy? Uh, meat, meatful Fridays. So it is five. It is five because it's the the weeks after the major fasts, right? So Do it's it. the week after um, Pascha, the week after mm-hmm. Pentecost. Okay, so that's yeah. not the major fast. But anyways, the week after Pascha, the week after Pentecost, the week after uh, Nativity. Yep. The publican and the Pharisee. Yep. And it's not the week after Dormition ah. or the week after Peter Paul. Is it because there's, are there two weeks between Christmas and Theophany? Because we don't, we don't fast at all from Christmas until Theophany Eve. So maybe that's why it's, Let's see. I'm looking at a calendar right now. So there's like you know that's, that that's Jonathan why is just yelling at us right now. He's yelling I the other know. one into that because I know he knows off the top of his head. I know. 
Um, there is, I, there's five. There's totally five. So one, two, I'm looking at the wall calendar as well, although wall calendar is not always the best way because our wall calendar I could try. To I'm going to try looking at our Tipicon, and I'm going to hope that it doesn't totally cut out our internet. Can you talk about something else while I'm looking at our Tipicon? Um, so when Sister Natalia first came to our parish, um, she was like this little squirrely teenage girl that was was just so excitable and did you just call me squirrely and boy crazy? <laughs> I thought you weren't paying attention. <laughs> okay, well it looks according according to my looking at the wall calendar, you are wait you can't be correct. Um, wait, I wait, can wait. be correct oh, sometimes. January through December. Okay, so Theophany, Christmas, Pascha, Pentecost, and Public and the Pharisee. That's five. Oh, yes. Okay. Yay. Great. We got it. All right. For those of you that are bored out of your minds, we're back. We're back as both of us are trying to process. I'm looking through a physical thing and sister is going all digital like the millennial she is. All right. Well, so... Are you still looking? <laughs> I am, but there we only have we only have four listed. Publican and the Pharisee, Bright Week, the week after Pentecost, and the week after Nativity. So not the week after Theophany. Uh uh-uh. uh Oh, you're right. We don't either. What am I looking at then? I don't know. Oh, maybe I'm looking at the. Let me see. Maybe I am looking at because it's from Christmas until Theophany. Okay, so I'm looking at 2021. Sorry, sorry, all, sorry, all. But but uh, so January first. Should we just restart this episode because we're doing a no, no, that's fine. January first, 2021 was was a Friday, and that is a meatless Friday, a meatful Friday. Now I don't know if that's because that's because it's between Theophany. That's because it's between Christmas and Theophany Eve. Okay. We don't have any fasting from Christmas until Theophany Eve. Christmas and then Theophany was on Eve, Friday the week before. So yeah, and then Theophany Eve is. Um, so a some years we have five, day. some years we have four. It seems. Yeah, something like that. Do you, do you ever get? Do you ever just think like Father Michael's a priest? He should know these things. No. Do you ever think that? Like no. when I when I'm just like confused about something. I don't. Okay, I think well, Sister Natalia is a monastic. She should know these things. <laughs> I think these things all the time, not about you. Well, I guess that's true. See, this is, I oftentimes tell you, sister, in spiritual direction, what would you say to someone in your shoes? And mm-hmm. you're like, fine. <laughs> and now I'm like doing it to myself. Is that I'm what like, I sound like? What would you say? Yeah. <laughs> fine. Um, what, what would you say to, what would I say to someone who's like a priest, but for, has forgotten these things? I'd be like, you're, a, you're, you're still a good priest. Jesus still loves you. The Holy Spirit's still working through you. You just forget things a lot and you need to work on that. Like it get better. Like, like, I don't know, make flashcards or something like you're in middle school, like make flashcards about the five, four, <laughs> four meatful Fridays and things like that. Okay. Anyway, this, I, might, I might make flashcards. You know, there's flashcard apps now. I have one more. I have one more banter topic because it's horrible. It's so horrible that I have to share it on the podcast. Do you? Go ahead. Can you see my wrists? It's all blurry. Um, no, sorry. I see things that are very white. Yeah, that's calamine lotion because I have oh. poison ivy. That's awesome. I've never had poison ivy. So here's the thing. Never have I. So I'm all like, I'm not allergic to poison ivy. I'm one of those few people who, which, so maybe it's not poison ivy. <laughs> because I've, I like walk all poison over. Oak. I walk, that's what I'm wondering if it's poison oak. So I walk through poison ivy multiple times. Um, I, last, last week on our fun day, I like climbed a tree and I was like touching something. And I was like, hey guys, what's this? As I'm touching it. And they were like, that's poison ivy. And nothing happened. <laughs> I got nothing from it. Um, and then a few, and then while I was in DC, I, I broke out with this rash. Um, Mm. so I'm wondering, yeah, that was my thought is maybe it's poison oak because I don't understand how I could literally touch poison ivy, not react. And then, and then somehow in another situation, I get it. That's just weird. You touched COVID and didn't react. That's true. I'm (laughs) immune to COVID basically. Maybe you're just like immune to everything. Yeah. Except pots. (laughs) And migraines. Um, that's true. 
But I, so anyways, I think I have poison oak and there's this one thing on my face. Do you see this? I'm really hoping it's a zit. I'm really hoping it's a zit because I cannot have poison oak on my face. That's horrible. Humility, sister. Humility. I know it's really good for my vanity because I'm so vain. I'm so we just need vain. To just, you just need to do it again right before your final profession. Stop. Just like make out with some poison oak. Sorry, that was a weird image. So, <laughs> so uh, what's your topic? Oh, <laughs> I'm also um, eating chocolate-covered espresso beans. You think you might be allergic to those? Oh, that's what you're doing because it's Friday. Because it's, it's Friday. Friday. Okay, yeah. cool. Um, so, to the topic, well, sister, choose chocolate-covered espresso beans. Um, <laughs> I... I I can't believe I didn't learn. I probably did learn this, and I just forgot it. But um, I I want to. I read this book. I bought it on a whim years ago. When, probably when it first came out. I probably saw it on Ancient Faith Publishing. By the way, check out Ancient Faith Publishing, a, a great Orthodox publishing company. It came out in 2010, so it's over. It's over 10 years. So I bought it over 10 years ago now. Um, it's by it's by a priest named Father Stephen Freeman, um, but just to scandalize you, sister. It just says Stephen Freeman on the cover, <laughs> but I think I think you should trust him anyway. Um, a book by a book by Father Stephen Freeman, um, and he he's great. He he does like weekly posts online. He he's he's really an insightful insightful man, an insightful Orthodox priest. Um, Wait, is that he, the way that your topic is loosely connected to the calling yes, to the Father? That's, all, that's it. That's that it, it doesn't is. say Father on the cover. That, that's all it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But but I, of course but of course I thought about you when I saw that I'm like how am I going to read this am I going to say it's by Father Stephen Freeman or Stephen Freeman um, he he identifies on his book as Stephen Freeman um, so maybe I should acknowledge his identification self identification but um, anyway the uh, Father Stephen Freeman wrote this book and it's called Everywhere Present. Uh, subtitled Christianity in a One Story Universe. Uh, I thought you were going to say subtitled and filling of all things. <laughs> yeah, <no. laughs> that'd be a little bit predictable. Um, so the the title is Everywhere Present, obviously referring to our our prayer, Heavenly King, Comforter, Spirit of Truth, Everywhere Present, and filling all things, treasure blessings, giver of life, come and dwell within us, cleanse us of all stain, and save our souls, O gracious one. So which we that, can that's, say that's, now because it's Pentecost. Yeah, we can say a lot and should and sing. Um, so and then the subtitle is Christianity in a One Story Universe. Um, it's such a simple concept. I'm realizing that I want to improve my homilies by by doing things like this. You you come up with a with a concept that makes the message memorable because it's something hmm. it's something visceral, it's something that you can visualize, it's something that you can you can see. And so when you say, and this this the reason I say this is because I, I preached on this back on the Sunday, the man born blind. I, I tied it into the gospel. Um, on I the think Sunday, I was the there for that. Blind. At the outreach? Oh really? I mean, wasn't that the Sunday that I was there? I was there for Maybe a few I Sundays. Asked you then. <laughs> I, I literally called Hope Schneer this morning and was like, uh, "What Sunday did I preach that?" Because I want to tighten to a podcast. Um, mm-hmm. And she remembers that it, that it was man born blind. So you might you might you might even be more helpful than I was when you when, when I do this. But um, we'll see. But it's based upon this book. I, I listened to the whole thing. By the way, disclaimer: I listened to it on an Audible, uh, and so I didn't like mark pages. I didn't do anything like that. So I. I I kind of want to read it again an actual book now so that I can actually mark it and put things like that because you know how easily I forget things. Um, but the, the whole concept of, of, of the title's called, the book's called Everywhere Present because God is everywhere. But, but the concept of the one story universe, um, it really struck me because I have, I've been a priest 15 now, well, no, 16, 16 years. As, sorry, 16 years as of the past Tuesday. Did um, you get my 16 letter? 16 years now. I did. Thank oh, you. It okay. was very nice as usual. Oh. You almost make me cry every letter you send. So I'm saving <laughs> them to, uh, to when you get canonized. I almost, so I can, I almost I make it, I have all these. I almost make you cry because I'm so mean and horrible that I'm just like <laughs> tearing That's you the down. Thing is, is maybe we should just begin every podcast with like, here's a, here's an actual letter from Sister Natalia to Father Michael, and people will be like, oh, that is so amazing and dear. She loves him so much. Just so that any any other meanness that comes out, and I have no idea how you're going to prove <laughs> that I really love you because I don't write letters. Did we share? Um, did we share what? Sorry, this is a this is a. This is a cowboy, but it's a funny one. What we 
when Mother Gabrielle and I picked you up from the airport when you came for Olivia's entrance. I don't think we shared that when uh, when I was talking about when I used to pick you up from the airport. Do you oh, remember yeah. this? <laughs> Can yeah. I share that? It's really funny. Sure. I, so I said... As long as people know I and you are kidding, but go ahead. Well, I mean, it's kind of true though. So where... <laughs> go ahead. So I said, I was like, oh, remember when I... Oh, because I, I brought you like some snacks and some LaCroix. And, yep. and I said, remember when I used to pick you up from the airport in Denver and I would always bring you food? And you were like, yeah. Remember when I would pick you up from the airport in Denver and I would always forget to bring you food? And I said, yeah. And it was this like nice little reminiscent thing. And then um, it was nostalgia. And then you said, you said something about like, because that's how, that's how we love each other. You, you love me by giving me everything that you have. And, and I love you by, by not forgetting you or something. <laughs> by just not completely, completely forgetting you. <laughs> Uh, this is but it's so a joke. lopsided. It's it's such a joke though. Like you, you're <laughs> so is. good to me. You, this my whole letter to you for your anniversary was about how good you are to me and how how much you you father so beautifully and um yeah amen. and and really helped to keep me grounded. So anyways. it was a beautiful letter. So that's an aside. Uh, okay. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> Back to your topic. Um, a, a quick, another quick aside though, before we go on, a really funny thing. So I, we had, as you know, people listening to this will know that we had we had um, Father Nathan's daughter Budsy uh-huh. on the first like three minutes of the previous episode. So I, I of course, before we published, I asked them. I asked Father Nathan and Allie. I said, "Hey, we had we had Budsy on for the first three minutes. Is that okay?" Um, and they're like, oh, of course, that's fine, that's fine. So anyway, Allie, um, who just doesn't quite know how this podcast works, thought that it came out that day. Which 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 is funny because the one that did come out this week was a live one because it was the Instagram. So mm. anyway, the the when the week we're recording this, dear listeners, is, is the week that the, our live one came out. So so literally, the funniest thing, Allie goes. So she tells her two oldest. So she's picking up from school at like three p.m. and they have a long drive. It's like forty five minutes to an hour <laughs> from their school, and they have this long drive. And Allie says, Allie says, so I don't know if you guys know this, but Father Michael, who we live with, is. Is is kind of famous, and and he has <laughs> he has this podcast that he does, and and a lot of people know him because of this podcast, and so so Molly or not Molly, um, Budsy was on the podcast, and so so let let's see if let's see if it's out. So they they turn on, but it's the live one, and literally, so it's like her two oldest are ten and twelve, and they're like they're probably just rolling their eyes, like who cares if Father Michael thinks he's famous or whatever, like that we don't care at all, and like they're they're not really famous because they're on TikTok or whatever, and then so she literally. She literally turns it on, and the first line is like, "Like, glory to Jesus Christ, glory forever." And I say we have literally zero listeners right now because we're we're on Instagram. <laughs> and Allie's telling me the story, and I was like, "That is really funny. You built me up to be like this. Oh, somebody you know is actually is actually a pretty big deal." And then like my first zero line is, listeners. We have zero <laughs> listeners. <laughs> <laughs> and the girl's like, "Yep, that that's expected, predictable." Anyway, uh, that's it was really funny. funny. Um, okay, so the 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 reason that cowboy started was because you, I am squirrely. Not much has changed. Is because <laughs> you were saying that you've been a priest now for sixteen years. Yes, I've been a Do priest you remember for sixteen where you're going years. With and, that? Yes, and okay. so thank you. You know me well by doing these lead-ins. Um, so the the concept of of God being everywhere present, which we would all say. We would all say, of course, God's everywhere present. He's filling all things. There's nowhere where God isn't. Um, I think anybody who is pious and thoughtful and, and knows the basics of the faith would say that. But the the fact that he ties this into and uses the idea of a one-story universe it was, I think, just a brilliant way of making that real and explaining it and manifesting it in a way that I had not thought of before. So what this is, is that... Sorry, do you have something to say? No, I just, I'm sorry. This is my own ignorance. I, when you're saying one story, do you mean a, a single um, tale or do you mean like a one story building? Good good point, Tong. And I'll, I'll get into that because okay, okay. in this is a story that the British spell S-T-O-R-E-Y, but we Americans spell it S-T-O-R-Y. So what I mean is like a sto- two story house, a one okay. story house. Okay. So th- th- this is the image I'm talking about. So thank you for that clarification. So um, he says that 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 the way we Westerners and pretty much the way anybody that lives in our contemporary culture, any of the moderns, see 
the world is like a two-story house. We live on the first story and God lives on the second story. And so, in other words, um, he says this wasn't always the way. Uh, th- this has been, been kind of drilled into us for various reasons. But what he says, of course, is that, that that's not the case. We, God and us live on the same story. So we live on the same mm. level, but, but we have this idea that, that we can kind of go about our normal lives and I'm here and this is the world of the five senses. This is the world and, and we're on this world. And then, and then the second story is where God dwells. The second story is where, where God and all those who have died are. So he actually and sorry if I'm not looking right at you, sister. I'm, I'm pulling up a, a document here so I can look at it. But um, I can't tell um, that you're not looking at me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, what, what what this means is that that, and and I think this is our subconscious. This is how we behave. Even though we know God exists everywhere, we still say, "I have access to God when I need Him." So it's not like. I the there there's a hole cut in the second story, and this goes back to I'll get to icons in a moment. But there there's a hole cut in the second story, so that when I start praying, I kind of knock knock on the ceiling, and so that's what prayer is. It's a knock on the ceiling, and sometimes God answers, and sometimes He doesn't. Sometimes God God says yes. What do you need? And sometimes He's off doing bigger, better things. You know that that's what I think, but mm. that's that's not how it is. Like the, everything, heaven and earth. Are, are existing together. Different realities, different forms, but together. Mm-hmm. And so it's not like when I pray, I'm knocking on the ceiling and then I wait to see if God possibly responds. Um, and the, the way he explains this, he says, um, he grew up in, in the, the Bible Belt in the South and he grew up, I think, I think Methodist. So he says that in the South, we would go to these funerals and, and this is the case even with modern Catholic funerals, Byzantine and Roman, right? We, we, we go and, and we go to these funerals, you never hear about the dead. It, it's a celebration of life. It's, we remember them, but we're not engaging with them. We don't, we don't even talk about them much. We talk about us. We talk about mourning. We talk about, you know, even God, God bless, God bless her memory of my grandmother, right? She says, I don't want anybody crying at my funeral. I want them all singing. Irish eyes are smiling, which we did. You know, I just, I just want people just kind of joyfully singing and having a good time. I hear that all the time. And in one sense, that's fine. That's fine. But, but what, what they, there's this view of that, now this person is in a second story. They're 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 far away from me. They're they're inaccessible, and I can like if if I start memorized prayer or if if I start personal prayer, then then I can somehow like ask them to come from this other story, second story, to my first story. Mm. And he says so. Funerals are kind of the the mo- the biggest evidence um, that this is the case. But the reality is is that is that. It's also the case that we don't want him always here. In other words, we want God to stay in the second story. We, we want him to be far away. I only want to talk to him when I invite him. I don't want him to invite himself. I don't want him to, to impose upon my life. Um, if I need you, Lord, I'll call you. And, and other than that, stay away. It's actually very pagan. Right. If you if you look at the ancient Greek and Roman pagans, they sacrificed to the gods to keep them away. Like they didn't want them in their lives. They sacrificed to the gods mainly. Now, if you read the Iliad of the Odyssey, you know they'll they'll, they'll call upon the gods to help them in battle. But it's, it's generally it's a pagan thing to say. Um, God is the gods in the in the in the Greek and Roman in pagan world. They're, they're kind of just really sex-driven, power-driven, violence-driven humans who have the power to indulge in those things. Mm-hmm. So they're just, they're like superhumans. They, they don't, they're not actually other than us. They're just like us, but they're really, really strong. So why would you want people like that around unless they're gonna fight your battles for you? So you want them away because you might have this, this God that wants to sleep with your wife and, and he has all the power to do that. You, you might have a God that wants to burn your house down because you didn't offer the right kind of sacrifice. So you kind of want them to stay away unless you invite them. And that's how we treat God. Lord, stay away. My life is fine. I'm going to go about doing what I want to do. I'm in full control of my life. I was just reading John Chrysostom yesterday. Um, there's he wrote he wrote some great homilies on on the on the Lazarus and the rich man, um, and 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 that's how he he uh, talks about the rich man was not only wealthy. The rich man was in full control of his life, mm-hmm. and that's what wealth and luxury gave this man. 
So, and I thought, man, that's what all of us want. That's why we want wealth. That's why we want luxury. So we're in full control of our life. And so we want to be in full control. So we say, God, stay away, stay in your second story. I'll knock on the ceiling if I need you. And then I'm, I'm, I'm going to be bummed or mad if you don't come down and do exactly what I want. But what, what the reality of our faith, the reality of our faith is that God dwells among us. God is with us. He is among us. And if God is among us and God is everywhere present, then so are the saints. And so, so Father Stephen literally says, it is not unusual for monks to be walking around a monastery and see their dead founder walking among them. Like it mm-hmm. doesn't even shock them. Mm-hmm. They, they literally just like, yeah, this happens every once in a while. Like, you know, St. Barfanufrius, the founder of this monastery will literally just show up and like pray with us for a bit. And it's not like then he leaves again. He doesn't go to the second story. He's there. He's there every time they pray because heaven and earth. And again, we, we need to be careful with this. I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not creating something new. This isn't a new idea. This is mm-hmm. what we've believed for centuries and centuries and centuries. Um, but 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 literally, the 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 dead walk among us when we're at a funeral. The, the they're there with us. Now they're they're in paradise. They're united with God. Mm-hmm. But 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 there's this beautiful image of saying again, and this is beyond the concept of one or two stories. Of course it is. This is this is something beyond our own ability to, to have these concepts. But but that that that's that's more. It's more real to think of them walking among us than it is to think that they're somehow far away from us and and they just come down every once in a while. Can I can I share a quote by Chrysostom? Absolutely. So I was thinking of this quote the whole time that you were talking about about funerals and about how uh, and and I was just waiting for you to wrap it up before I shared it. But but it fits in so beautifully with that last part you said <clears throat> about how if if God is everywhere present and if he is among us, so are the saints. So Chrysostom has this quote where he says, they whom we love and lose are no longer where they were before. They are now wherever we are. So he doesn't say they, Mm, he he doesn't say they're no longer where they were before. They're now on the second story. He says they're no longer where they were before. They are now wherever we are. Yeah. Uh, which I just found really beautiful. So without thinking of that, I've actually said that in funerals because I, I've said, you know, and I've I've pulled no punches. Th- those of you that have went to went to my buddy Catfish's funeral, you know that like when I when I, I felt very confident because I knew Catfish, um, and I know him now. I guess that's the whole point is he's he's now there with me all the time. But but um, but Catfish was just a troubled soul. He really was. He 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 didn't really fit in this world, and that's for us. It's really not surprising that our Lord took him through cancer, you know. And 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 I, but I, I've said, so I kind of said, you know, I, I mentioned all of his all of his vulnerabilities because he was so, you know, kind of going back to our old podcast, right? His his weaknesses were so obvious; he didn't hide them. And so mm. the weakness and the vulnerabilities, I, I mentioned all these in my homily because I love him and because I, I knew that this would glorify him. I knew this would make make people pray for him, but also it, he would he would appreciate that. Um, so I, I've often said in homilies, you know, if your mom or dad who's now dead, like if they if they were trouble. Like if, if they were irritating, if they were mad at you, if they were holding a grudge, if they were doing anything like that, then now they're not. Like in other words, they, they might be in purgation, they might have already gone through purgation, whatever it is, but now they've had that purge from them. They're now in union with God and, and now you can actually interact with them in a more pure happy, joyful way. And now you're the problem because <laughs> you're still full of sin and they're yeah. not. So, um, but you, we don't get irritated with that when we're in heaven. Um, so yeah, so th- th- in a sense, that's what it is. Like you have, you have more access to them now than you mm-hmm. did when they were still alive. It's in a, it's in a less human way, of course, because mm-hmm. we don't see and hear them, which of course we want to do. That's why we mourn. We mourn because we mourn the loss of those connections. We mourn the loss of of the obvious visceral human connections, but they're now more accessible and they're also more pleasant. <laughs> you know, they're, they're, they're more, they're, they're, they're more, um, they're, they're not going to irritate us, mm-hmm. um, even though that that's kind of a human concept as well. I'd, I'd like to share a story about that <clears throat> personal experience that I've had, but if you have other things that you want to touch on first, I'll save the story for the end. Oh, please. I'm going to get into icons in a moment, but cut. Okay, so I, I wanted to talk about Chris from our home parish in Denver, mm. right? Mm-hmm. And because Chris was 
by the time I got to the parish, he was fighting his second battle with cancer, I believe, right? Mm-hmm. And he, I, I saw him at the parish only a few times. He would come sometimes on Wednesday evenings, but, but by that point he was too sick for the most part to come. And so when he was feeling really well though, he would come out and, and I just remember being so struck by his joy. I, I don't remember, hmm. I don't remember most, like almost anything about him. We never had an extended conversation. I never got to know him, but I just, I really remember being in his presence and, and just feeling joy. I, I don't know how else to articulate it, but, but something about him really moved me. And, and then he, he was moved into hospice, right? And, um, and while he was in hospice, I mean, hospice at his home, I think. And the, he was in a hospice facility. for He was. Okay. So, so one night, I I I had thought for a while that I wanted to go visit him and I wanted to get to know him. I knew he was dying, but but something in him just just drew me to him and I really wanted to know him. And but I just, you know, other things just kept coming up and being more important and whatever and quote unquote more important, right? And so one night I I I go to bed and I have this dream and there've only been there have been two times that I can think of in my life that I've had a dream that it just is so realistic. It's it's just, it's so realistic. And in this dream, Chris and I are having coffee together. And he says to me, I wish I could have known you better. And and I wake up and it felt so real that I was like, mm-hmm. That's it. I'm going. I'm going to hospice today. I'm going to visit him today because I need to know this man. I something about the dream was just so real, and it didn't really strike me that in the dream he had said, "I wish I had known you better." Right. So then I get a I get a call that morning saying that that evening Chris had died, and and I am just distraught. I'm like I. I completely lost my opportunity. I didn't listen to these promptings mm. of the Holy Spirit. I just completely neglected them. And now he's on the second story. And now he's on the second story. <laughs> right, exactly. And and yeah. I wouldn't have obviously used those words at that time, but that's what it was. It was like, now I can't know him until heaven and until I'm in heaven. And so I go to liturgy and, oh man, I will never forget you intoning eternal memory for him at the end of liturgy because it just, you had to, you had to do it multiple times because you just couldn't choke it out because you obviously love this man so much. And, and I, I went out to get some coffee with you. I don't remember if it was that day or later. And, and you just, this is another way in which you're just so beautifully self-sacrificial and so giving of yourself as father. Like you are in the depths of mourning over this man who, you know, infinitely better than I know. (laughs) And I'm just like bringing to you my pain and my grief and you completely received it. And, and so I'm like, Father Michael, I had this dream and now I'm so distraught and I don't know what to do. And I can't believe I screwed this up. And I'm just like sobbing and you're just totally outside of yourself, which is beautiful. And, and you said, well, praise God, we, we have the communion of saints. (laughs) And I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and, and you're, I mean, obviously I know what the community of saints is, but, but you're like, you can still know him. You can still, you can still form a relationship with him. And so I started, I started praying for this man, a Panahita, or the prayer service for the departed, started praying that Saturday and, and just started praying for him every Saturday, praying a Panahita for him. I eventually added more people onto the list, but, but for months it was just him that I was praying for. And, maybe even a couple of years, it was just him. And, and I really started to, to know him in a way that I can't articulate because it's not the human experience of knowing, which is what you were saying. It's not the same human experience, but, but I, I started to know him and to really 
to to speak to him. I never, I've never stopped praying for him for the repose of his soul, and I I don't think anyone should do that. Like no matter how convinced you are that someone's a mm-hmm. saint, unless they're a canonized saint in the church, do not stop praying for the repose of their Amen. soul. Amen. And so I I very much prayed for him and still do, but also I I found myself starting to 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 speak with him as well um, in my in my daily life, but. I remember when I was when I was a missionary I there was there was one Saturday that so so then when when Chris's mother contacted you to give you all of these religious goods that Chris had at his house you said you said to her you know there's there's a young woman at the parish who I know loves Chris very much and would it be okay if I offer her some of this as well and she says of course and so I selected uh, I selected a one of the Franciscan crucifixes. Is that what they're called? The ones that's like iconographic. Like yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <clears throat> and and so when I was a missionary, I didn't have very many things uh, when I was in Kansas City, Missouri. But I had that crucifix hanging on the wall by my bed. And this was we didn't have all of this is relevant to the story. I promise. We didn't have AC in this house. We lived very poorly as missionaries and. There was no AC and it was so hot in this house. It was so hot that to sleep during the summer, because it's Kansas City, it's really, it's just, it was so hot that I had to go to the bathroom, soak my t-shirt in water, put the t-shirt on and then go to the bed. And and that's the only way I could fall asleep. That was the only way I could cool off enough to fall asleep. And then I would wake up a couple hours later and the shirt's totally dry because that's yeah. just how hot it is. So anyways, uh, that's relevant to the story as well. So I had Chris's crucifix hanging on one side on the wall by my bed. On the other side of my bed, this was a bunk bed. On the other side, I had a chair set up with a fan sitting on it and the fan was blowing on me. And And one Saturday... I just realized that it had been a few weeks since I'd prayed a Panahita for Chris. And, and I was like, man, I'm so sorry, Chris. I, I dropped the ball on this. And so, so I pray a Panahita that night. And then I, I go to bed. And when I wake up in the morning, the crucifix is not hanging on the wall by my bed. The crucifix is resting on the chair with the fan. And oh. and it's just moved from <laughs> from the from the wall to the to the chair. Now I'm not saying like it, it might have been me, right? It might have at some point in the night maybe I moved it and I just have no mm. recollection of this. I'm not saying it floated over there. It could have been a, a human thing, but but regardless of what it was, like the crucifix had moved. I had no recollection yeah. of it. And and it was just this this beautiful moment for me. I didn't I didn't try to read into it too much of like, does this mean he's moved from purgatory into heaven? Or does this mm. mean does this mean that, you know, I just took it as like my prayers are being heard and I'm going to continue praying for him kind of thing. And uh yeah. So sorry, that was kind of a long story, but no, that's, no worries. And that's it's my it's, experience of But the the I mean and I'll get into this right now. So like icons, he talks in the book about icons. Cause I think, and I, even in my mind, again, for 16 years of priest, I always thought that icons were like access to the second story. You know, I, I, I light a candle in front of an icon. Um, by the way, I, I heard on a, another podcast the other day, which I thought was beautiful, something that I'll now incorporate in my church tours, but, but um, we, we light a candle in front of an icon because Without the light of Christ, the saints are nothing. So imagine being in a dark room and you just put an icon up and you can't see it, right? uh, An icon does not put, it's like the moon with Mary. Like that's why we call the moon the mother of God, right? The moon is, we wouldn't see the moon. It would be nothing without the light of Christ. Mary would be nothing without the light of Christ. But with the light of Christ, it, it illumines the whole landscape at the full moon, you know? So, so she, she, it's, she's immensely bright and helpful, but only because of Christ Same thing with icons. Icons are just wooden paint blessed because they become windows into heaven. But with the candle put in front of it is the light of Christ, which illumines the entire icon. And so, we call icons windows into heaven, but I've always kind of imagined using this idea that 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 they are it's an access point, a hole in in the ceiling. It, it's it's looking up, which I think is one of the images used in icons. That's why we have halos, circles, like a hole. But it's it's not a hole into the second story. Um, icons are almost like glasses mm. that you you put them on and you can see 
the reality around you more clearly. So in other words, when we, when we have an icon, the saint is right there. The saint isn't enjoying you know, the paradise of heaven. And then every once in a while, it's like, oh, Father Michael's calling me again, give me a sec. You know? And then comes down and kind of deals with my issue and then goes back up again. That's not how it is. Like The saints find joy in being among us. The saints live, live in a, again, this, all of these words, this is in a sense kind of apophatic because it's mm-hmm. not like we're, we're saying what is, it's actually cataphatic. We're saying what is, but it's not, an, it's not worthy of it. Well, the, the, this concept of icons and one story, two story is, is not adequate to the reality, but it's just what what we've been given as human beings to use. So icons are 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 like glasses or windows into the reality that is all around us. So it's, it's like three D glasses. Do you remember going to three D movies and you'd have to yeah. put on those blue and red glasses yeah. and you can suddenly see the? It's like it's like three D glasses of we're seen into this other dimension. I'm old enough, sister, that we did that unironically. Like they really like 3D movies were kind of like when you were going to these movies, there were like the, the 3D glasses are like from the 80s. Like people were doing it for the fun of it. It wasn't, I mean, it, it wasn't like the same fascination, I guess I should say. It, it was it kind was of a nostalgic thing. Well, it is because you were young and you hadn't seen it back in the 80s. But like <laughs> I, went to, I went to these movies when it was like, when it was new and we're like, this is technology. When you went to them, it was just like, oh, let's have a nostalgic thing and have 3D glasses for movies. This anyway. was in the 90s. This wasn't that far after you went sister like culture progresses so quickly oh, that, that 10 years later we're already being nostalgic for 10 years previously whatever um, so but I, so icons like yes that they're they're a visible manifestation of what is all around us the saints are all around us at all times the deceased are all around us at all times and and so our our, our prayer to the saints our prayers for the deceased all of this is us really engaging in the reality of what is right here. Mm-hmm. And I think this that's why sin is in a sense should be so embarrassing because here we are like we're sinning thinking that we're in private. Somebody just said the other day um Oh, I was watching a documentary on on this. It's called Sunshine Hotel. I, I can't recommend it, of course, but um, I just did, I guess. But but it's, I watched this documentary <laughs> on this like flop house in New York City, and again, it, it's it's full of cussing and things like that. But um, it's just these people that are like the most down and out people in the world, but they can afford well like thirty bucks a week or whatever it is to live in this flop house. Um, but but there was a. Uh, there was a guy, a very, a very wise guy. He, he's a drug addict, but he, he seems very wise and, and, and bright. Um, and I totally You don't know where you're going with this. Typical Father Michael. Um, They're all around us. But anyway, us. Let, let me go are, back. I'm, oh, I, sin, is, sin back. is not private. Is that helpful? Oh, yes. Thank you. Thank you. Um, he talks about that's how, that's how drugs lead to mental illness. He says drugs, because we oftentimes talk about with the homeless, like mental illness leads to drugs. But he says drugs lead to mental illness because drugs are done in complete isolation and privately. Mm-hmm. He says you literally you go into your little you go into your little world because in a flop house you, get, you actually get like four walls around you. So like he says you go into your room in the flop house. You you literally like put towels under the door you put he's talking about crack specifically like he put towels on the door you you cover all the windows you cover everything and you're in your little cocoon when you're in your little cocoon you're in your own world no one else has access to this it's just me therefore i can do these things that i'm totally ashamed of and no one else knows and there you know i i i smoke crack and and then i come out and i like put on a face i put on a mask when i go out but but he says more and more you you desire just to be there you desire Mm -hmm. to be completely isolated so that's one of those things but many sins we we do in private you know so like you do these things and you just want to hold yourself in this cocoon and then put on a face like you're not doing it when you go out you know kind of referring to our last podcast when there's we sometimes we need to lead with our weakness or vulnerability you mm-hmm. know we don't we hide it we put on a mask and and um so that's literally like the saints and our Lord and, and those saints who are in the body of Christ. That's how they have access to this. They're like, they're in the body of Christ. That's why they can, that's why they can be here, not by their own power, but because of Christ. So, so there's this, the sin is, is, literally, is literally like doing, fighting against the body of Christ and we're trying to remove ourselves from the body of Christ while surrounded by the body of Christ who just wants to help us. Mm-hmm. The angels, the saints, everybody there in this one story world all among us. Um, and, you know, that is why I think one of the things I've thought about since I was a kid was, you know, and you'll get this since you're scandalized so easily, sister, but like, like what if we... <laughs> 
<laughs> just want to make you roll your eyes, but you, but you totally did on, on demand. <laughs> <laughs> um, like there's this, when I get to heaven, is God going to let me see because I can't do it on my own. Like by his power, am I going to see my family and friends like their embarrassing moments? Hmm. Am I going to see their greatest sins? Am I going to see them doing all these things? And if it's true, which I think could be the case, we even kind of hinted that in our in our prayer before confession, right? Mm-hmm. For for Byzantine Catholics, you know, I confess to to God, the Mother of God, all the angels, all the saints, and to you, Father, my sins. Like there's a confession of sins, but how will that work? That I will not be scandalized by it. How will hmm. how will it work? That I will not get mad at them. Like if I see after I die, someone being like, man, God rest his soul, but Father Michael was such a weenie, you know, or like whatever it may be, like, like, like Father Michael was such a this or that, like, and I'll hear this, I'll be like, ah, oh, good one, high five. Like, like, I can't I just, believe I, you just said weenie. That's so... <laughs> I know what, what else to say. like second uh, grade. <laughs> I know that children listen to this. Um, don't use that word, kids. Um, but there's, so it's, it's like, uh, now, I, now I got a new nickname. I, I shouldn't say that. Um, but there, there's like, um, uh, so there's this, uh, so anyway, there's this, I, I, and I won't get mad. Like I'll see them do that. I'll see them sinning horribly. I'll, I'll see someone who I thought wasn't doing those things, doing those things. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll somebody who didn't gossip about me or whatever, didn't get angry. Like I'll see them, see them doing these things and I will love them and I will not judge them and I will want them to get better. And I, and this won't affect my own joy of being in heaven. Like it will not affect my own happiness. Like in one sense, maybe I, I, you know, the Roman Catholics have these, these devotions of like the tears of Mary and the tears of Jesus. Like there's a weeping for it, but it doesn't really take away from my own happiness, you know, whatever that may be. Again, heaven is such an unknown, but I, I do think this, this concept of being one story, it, it, it removes, it, it removes any sense. And I, I have a couple things here that I, that let me just get to these real quick. Do you have anything to say sister on that? Okay. Um, Only, only that you, that you reminded me of, I think part of the reason we can do that without without anger and without judgments once we're in heaven is because again, it goes back to the beatitude that I talked about so much in the last episode of blessed are the pure of heart for they shall see God. Because yeah. when we're in yep. heaven Amen. and and are, are in this intense process of, of deification, of theosis, where we are pure of heart and we are seeing God. And yeah. Yeah, because yeah, we're, 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 when we're pure of heart, we don't like, see a secret thing. We don't like see a God that nobody else sees. Like we literally see reality as it is. Yes. So, so and actually I'm going to get to that in a moment as well. Um, so re- help me remind, help, help me think and remember that sister, like seeing reality as it really is. Mm-hmm. Can you remember that? Okay. Yes. Um, so, um, but one of the things I think was really beautiful about what Father Stephen says here is that um, we, we he, and he, he, in the first chapter, he defines secular in a beautiful way. He says, secular does not mean non-religious. It doesn't mean atheist. A lot of times we use that word secular to mean atheist. He goes, secular just means it's that first story. Like, like in other words, everybody lives here. It's, mm-hmm. we're all common. Like we all have our own vision of God. We all have our own understanding of who God is, but all of that's on the second story. And those holes in the those holes in the in the ceiling are just the different churches and synagogues and mosques, right? That's what they are. Those are the holes. But 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 in the secular world, we 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 live without all of that stuff. And he says that's actually a new thing that really came about through the U.S. Like that he says in the United States was really the first intentional secular country mm-hmm. because almost every other country had their gods or their god. You know this, and especially in the Protestant Reformation, like that's why. That's why national boundaries were created was mm-hmm. to keep people from fighting each other over God, you know, mm-hmm. as if we could do that, as if we could create these secular spaces where then you can choose kind of just a world outside of God. That's the first story in, in this uh, secular space is the world outside of God. And then everybody has access to their own second story. Um, but he says, so obviously one of the dangers of this is that you just forget about God. This is where atheism does come from. If, if I need to intentionally access God, and if I'm in any way afraid of him or, or afraid of him seeing what I do, then I just it's much easier just to forget God exists. It's much easier to say, well, he's up there, but I forget that he's mm-hmm. up there. And then how easy it is to progress from that to he doesn't exist. Like, like I can live only in this world. I don't even need to consider the other world. And then that goes to, well, maybe the other world doesn't exist. It's just too easy to go from a secular culture to an atheistic culture. And that has obviously happened many times and it's even happening in our, in our country a bit. But he says on the other end, um, many 
Christians especially, but also Jews and Muslims and other, other people of other religions will create a, a fundamentalism, he calls it. He says this can, is going to facilitate a raging fundamentalism that sees all things secular as the enemy. So in other words, this is the other end of it where people say all things secular, the world around me is, is, is all the enemy. I, we need to jettison the secular world in favor of the spiritual. That's mm. Gnosticism. That's dualism. That, that's, that's a rejection of the good of what's around us. And, he and that's says, not how this, Jesus lived. <laughs> no. He says also, he even says in a chapter, this is why Christians should be the greatest environmentalists and the greatest ecologists. Like this is why we should care about the world around us because we, we the only reason why we can pull Loot and destroy the world around us is because we believe that the second story is free of that. Like eventually I'll be in the second story and then this first story does not matter to me. That's heresy, mm-hmm. right? The first story is the second story, right? There will be a new Jerusalem, a new, a new earth, heavens, a new earth, but somehow the two are tied together in this world and in the quote next, you know? So this it, is, it's this just is a whole how, new way of thinking. This is how the, um, the, Oh gosh, who wrote about this? There was an Eastern, an Eastern saint who talked about how maybe it was just in their Stakira or something like that, but about how I think it was for the forty martyrs of Sebast. That's what it was for the forty martyrs okay. of Sebast. In in one of the Stakira, they talked about how, I mean, these these saints were they brutally died, fire, water, lots of things. Um, anyways, but but it says that the reason they they gave completely of their bodies and and were willing to undergo this torture in their body is because they know that the body is redeemed and mm. like like they talked about how and I, this was very significant for me because this can be this can be a point of contention when when people look at the the east and and the way that that the saints sometimes in the east seem to treat the body or look at the body but it's it's like there is there is this this deeper view that the body can be treated this way now in in some sense because we know that the body is redeemed. Um, yeah. But yeah. And then, so we should be the greatest health nuts. We should be the greatest environmentalists. We should mm-hmm. be the ones, the most taking care of our bodies and the world around us. We Christians should be best at that. And I don't, I don't think we are. I don't, I don't think that's something that we're known for. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, 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 we're running out of time, but so I want to say just if you, if you can, instead of covering everything I was going to cover, like if you want to get this book again, everywhere present Christianity, the one story universe by father Stephen Freeman or just Stephen Freeman. Uh, if you want to, if you want to Google it, um, just like read, read his section on prostrations. It is really, really beautiful. Mm-hmm. Like the way he ties in um, that. In other words, we're going to worship something. We, 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 worship is built into us. So we're either going to worship God and truth and beauty and goodness, or we're going to worship ourselves. We're going to worship sin. We're going to worship things. So you, you have to worship something. He does a great job of kind of tying that into this, this whole idea that you have to worship something. And he talks about a, a tradition I did not know about. He goes, in some traditions, before a catechumen says the creed for the first time, they do a prostration and then they mm-hmm. stand up and then say the creed. Because just like an icon is nothing without the candle, the saint is nothing without the light of Christ. So the creed is nothing without worship. And like Mm. the act of worship is an act of, like what you said, sister, is an act of acknowledging that God is all around us. A fact that the the purity of heart allows us to see that reality. Mm -hmm. And then to the the proper response is worship. And, And saying the creed, praying the divine liturgy, all of that is nothing unless we are actually worshiping God. Unless we are acknowledging who he is, where he is, and, and and responding to the grace he gives us through that reality. So we cannot say the creed without first saying, I, I say the creed, I proclaim the 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 proclamation of faith that the creed is because I'm doing, I'm actually worshiping God himself. I'm worshiping the man, Jesus Christ and all of this. Um, but I just, want to, I just want to tie it in real quick to one thing, uh, kind of a, a practical thing. Um, I, I preached on this, uh, it would have been... Wednesday night. So the so the we did we did the vigil for Thursday. The reading for Thursday was um if you it was I mean it was only talking about lust, but it was saying like if you know the old law said you shall not commit adultery. I say that even if you lust after a woman you've committed adultery. That obviously the other side of this is I the law says don't kill, but if you've even been angry, you know, and and hated that you have killed. And so it says 
uh, the gospel said, if your eye is, if your right eye is your issue, cut it out. If your right hand is your issue, cut it off. And that always seems so extreme to us. Um, but it dawned on me as I'm saying this, that God used as an image, obviously the eye, because we lust by looking at something. The hand, because when we hate or we get angry, we hit. You know, that there's just a, like those two things. So it was cut off what allows you to look lustfully or, or to, to attack out of anger. Um, but you know, autonomy, like we have two of both of those, right? <laughs> so it actually would not be the worst thing in the world. If, if I could actually end my lusting by cutting my eye out, I would do it. Mm-hmm. If I could actually end my anger, because I, I would still be able to function, right? I still mm-hmm. have one eye or one hand. But the reality is, is even if I cut my eye out, I could still lust. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I still have another eye. I would still, that wouldn't prevent me from lusting. If I cut my hand off, that wouldn't prevent me from getting angry. I know that even with those things gone, even if I got both eyes out or both hands off, I'd still get angry and lustful. So the, those things actually don't prevent. But I thought, isn't there something amazing that, that if we understood that we live in this one-story universe, if we understand that, that we're in the kingdom of God now, like we have access mm-hmm. to the kingdom of God now because of Jesus Christ, he became one of us and he, he ascended in that one of us to heaven and sent down the spirit of Pentecost. So we are now in the kingdom of God, just not fully realized, not perfected yet as it will be one day. Mm-hmm. Um, so wouldn't it, wouldn't it be amazing if people could see, like they could spot a Christian from a mile away and the way they could do this was because all Christians, right? But before Christ, they could say, I could judge and say, well, I'm not divorced. I'm not divorced. I'm not an adulterer. Therefore, I'm not like you, right? I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I haven't killed anybody. Therefore, I'm not like you. This is the great equalizer. We've, because we've all lusted, we've all hated, we've all been angry. So mm-hmm. it's the great equalizer. So the sign of Christian would be they have one eye and one hand. Like, since everybody has, realized that they are a sinner in this way and everybody has taken the the drastic steps to cut that out of their life. So all Christians have one eye and one hand. Obviously, like I said, that does not actually prevent the sin. So it must be something more interior. The, 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 the blinding of the eye that causes me to sin, the cutting off of the hand that causes me to sin must be interior things that actually do prevent, do prevent me from sinning. And I, so I, I, you know, I, I joked about, we should all be thin as monks and nuns, you know, we should, cause we were fasting. We should all be doing these, even things that are manifested in the world by not judging and all these other things that actually manifest in the world. The fact that we are Christians, since we are, since we are not, we're going to cut our hands or eyes off because that wouldn't actually work, but there are things that would actually work. Um, so that, that's just a, 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 a and I, what I did was I, I actually was inspired by your topic last time, sister. And I said, this is what, this is what Moses of Ethiopia and Mary of Egypt both did, right? They led mm-hmm. with their weakness. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they, Mary would shake someone's hand and be like, hey, Mary, a sinner, how you doing? Like, in other words, <laughs> I, 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 I literally, I'm telling you, I'm not a prostitute because I take no money for the sex I have. I literally am a sex addict. And Moses of Ethiopia, who had a trail of sand or water behind him all the time, symbolizing his sin, just, he, you, looked at, you looked at him and said, oh, look, a sinner. You know, mm-hmm. and he wanted it that way because then that would allow for authentic relationships, authentic love, et cetera. So to tying back into the last one. Um, but there, there is, we all should be, we all should see our weakness, see our sin, mm-hmm. and then say, I could actually perceive the kingdom of God all around me even better through icons, through purity of heart, see the one story world, which is a world I want to see, obviously, because I see God, I see his works, I see his miracles that are all around me. The miracles are, are, are not just, I tap on the ceiling and ask for a miracle, like miracles are, are, are there because God is here. Um, so, but if you read the book, he also explains how kind of all of our issues, atheism and, and, and you know, uh, separating uh, our, our our belief from our life and all the craziness in politics. Now, all of this kind of comes from a misunderstanding, thinking that we're in a secular world separate from the things of God, where we're not, we're mm-hmm. in one place. So anyway, and my mind's still kind of blown by this. I need to process it more, but it, it's a great book and in a simple, easy to read way of understanding. So please pick it up if you can. Thank you. That was a really good topic. Thank you. Mm-hmm. All right, any uh, prayer intentions? I guess I need to go first, huh? Mm-hmm. Um, I will say pray for my uncle Glenn. My um, God, I think I've asked this before. Have I asked this before? I think I have. Uh-huh. Um, my uncle Glenn, who's also my godfather, um, he he has a wedding coming up next week, and I'll be uh, I'll be in Denver to uh, to join him for that. He's not getting married in the church, um, so I'm uh, I'm uh, I'm. 
praying for him, and but I, I'm celebrating in, to one extent uh, with him, and I, I love him immensely. Um, so yeah, pray pray for him and for his uh, his future wife and for his family. Good. I will ask for prayers for Sister Petra. I realize that a lot of hopefully all of our listeners have been praying for me this whole time and are praying for me as uh, as I approach life profession and as it's been delayed a few times. And the so the, the profession will be on September 26th, but Sister Petra will be life professed with me. So please pray for her as well as she prepares for life profession. Nice. Cool. Um, yeah. Amen. Thank you all for always joining us in prayer and for actually praying with us. Please do actually mm-hmm. pray. When we say these things, and I need, I'm saying that to myself too, I need to remember to do this as well. All right, may the Lord bless you and keep you, cause his face to shine upon you, have mercy on you. May you find joy in this one story universe. May you desire to see through purity of heart and through prayer, through the use of the things God has given us. Um, may you find God all around you, loving you, your constant companion, never separated from you, um, incredibly intimate in his bonding with you and desirous of you fully realizing that you are already in the kingdom of God and able to access that through holiness, purity of heart, the purging of sin, reception of the sacraments, reception of the grace of God, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, etc. May the Lord will bless all of you as you grow in this and me too, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thanks. Love you. Love you, listeners. Love you, too, sister. Love y'all. Bye.